0: On a cold January day, a 43-year-old man was sworn in as the chief executive of his country. By his side stood his predecessor, a famous general who, 15 years earlier, had commanded his nation's forces in a war that resulted in the defeat of Germany. This young leader was raised in the Roman Catholic faith. The parades in his honor that day lasted for five hours, and he stayed up celebrating until three in the morning. I wonder if any of you have a guess as to who that leader, that young chief executive was. They didn't have a guess last night either. But maybe you're shy. Maybe you just don't want to say. Maybe you're thinking John F. Kennedy. Might make a difference to you if I told you that date, that January date was January 30th, 1933. 1933. And that young chief executive was Adolf Hitler. Very easy to make assumptions. And also very easy to know that assumptions can be dangerous. If not, deadly. That little incident, that remarkable coincidence between uh, the swearing in of uh, John F. Kennedy and Adolf Hitler begins a a book that's had a powerful impact on me called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Uh, Simon Sinek writes about leadership, Uh, he also wrote Leaders Eat Last, and he says in this book that the enemy of assumptions is the question, why? Enemy of assumptions, the antidote to assumptions, to keep from falling into the trap of believing and acting on your assumptions, you're always to be asking the question, why? Because why? Sets the priority, why sets the direction of an organization, of a family, of a person? Uh, Why? John Piper says the most important question of the 21st century is not why is there suffering in the world, is not why is there no world peace, is not why is there no cure for cancer. All of those great questions. The most important question of the 21st century is, why did Jesus die? And I think he's right. Because that takes us back to think about big questions like, why are we here? Why do we not so often experience satisfaction and fulfillment Uh, blessing in our lives? Why are we so miserable? Why is there so much depression? I think it all goes back to that question. And to answer that question, I think there's no better place in the Bible than to go to Isaiah chapter 53. In Isaiah chapter 53, I I see the Mount Everest of the Old Testament. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon called this chapter, this one chapter, uh, the Bible in one chapter, the gospel in its essence. In this chapter, the very heart of it is verses 4 through 6, and I think it very clearly is addressing this question, why did Jesus die? If we're going to start with why, and I think we should, if we're going to start with why why did Jesus die, I also think we're answering the question, why are we living? So let's look at it together, and as we do that, I'm going to read it all together at first and then break it down. As we do that, I want you to hear how personal this chapter is meant to be taken, is meant to be read. I will tell you, sometimes by familiarity, we don't grasp the impact of the Bible. But this chapter is full of pronouns that indicate its personal reference. That is, we're to understand this personally for us. So verses 4 through 6 read like this. Surely... He took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Our griefs, our sorrows, we esteemed him. Our transgressions, our iniquities, which means sin. His chastisement, his punishment brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. We have gone astray. The iniquities of us all, we have turned. Nothing in this passage makes sense until you feel the full weight of this truth That what Jesus did, he did for us. The simple answer to the question of why Jesus died is he died for us. He died for you. He died for me. If it were not for any other person, he would have died there for you. What he suffered was for us. The pain and the brutality, the indignity of the cross, it was all for us. As you look, I think there are three reasons why Jesus died for you and for me. First, I think Jesus died to take our pain. He took our pain. That's the first reason why he died. This is in verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore, that word in Hebrew means to, to carry like a heavy weight over the shoulders. He bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted in bible times people thought the presence of pain the presence of suffering was an indication of sin that's kind of the mindset there but but jesus took this up what you need to understand is that jesus could have said no to the cross jesus had the power of god he is god he, he could have turned away all of the armies that tried to arrest him but no he willingly went there to carry to pick up the burden of our pain And you don't have to live very long to know that life is full of pain, isn't it? Physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, psychological pain. And what this passage says is that he is willing to take up that pain. I tell you, it gives me great comfort. It gives me great assurance that Jesus understands what pain really is. Because in physical form, in human form, he took on this tremendously painful experience. What this says is, is that you're going through pain, that Jesus will walk with you. <laughs> Normally, for pain, we take medicine, don't we? Well, I think, I think for the Christian, in a, in a real sense, a figurative sense, but, but a real impact, that having faith is kind of like spiritual value, You know what I'm saying? As you know that Jesus understands pain and carries, he will help carry your pain. It helps you to deal with it better. Beth and I spent most of Friday at Research Medical Center. Uh, She's been having a lot of back pain, and and we were trying to figure out what was going on with that, what we could do about it. So it was kind of disconcerting to hear the doctor's report. He, He said that her back pain was caused by a slip, a facet joint, I won't bore you all the details, but basically the only solution he could give as a surgeon was to have spinal fusion surgery, which is a big operation, oftentimes can result in a worse situation than better, and basically he said there's nothing we can really do medically, interventionally for that. Well, we're both believers, and, and we believe that Jesus walks with us through that pain. It's hard for Beth because she loves to work out. The doctor said she doesn't need to jog anymore. Uh, she loves to lift weights. The doctor said she doesn't need to lift heavy weights anymore. It's difficult. It's physical pain. It's emotional pain. But but the Lord helps us carry that. If you're in pain today, I'm telling you, as your faith increases, uh, the Lord, he will help. Jesus will help carry your pain. He'll make it better. Not take it away, but he'll make it better. He'll make it more uh, more, uh uh, easy for you to, to take and to live with, but I, I think also we 're talking about the the pain of shame and guilt as well. It is incredible to me that it was our mistakes, our sins, that led Jesus to the cross, yet he took the pain in one of their periodic efforts to eradicate religious belief in the Soviet Union. Uh, the Communist Party sent KGB agents. To the nation's churches. One Sunday morning, one agent was struck by the deep devotion of an elderly woman who, who went up to the, to the uh, chastel there and, and, and was down at the feet of the cross that had a figure of Jesus on it, kissing his feet. The agent said, Babushka, which means grandmother in Russian, are you also prepared to kiss the feet of the beloved general secretary of our Communist Party? She said, Why, of course as soon as you crucify him first. Christianity, as Justin was talking about, is unique as a religion in that it's the only religion in which God died. God takes on the pain of the people. Understand this. God will help you with the shame and the guilt you feel for your past. He will as you respond in faith, as you grow in faith, as you believe in this one who was on the cross, as you love him and surrender to him, he will help to carry that pain, that pain in all of its forms. Secondly, this passage tells us that Jesus died to take our punishment. He took our punishment. Verse 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By God's wounds on the tree, we are healed. Well, why, did, why is all this uh, necessary? You might say, well, couldn't God just say, oh, oh they, they messed up a little bit, but, but it's okay. So oftentimes, we do that. But listen, does the world make sense if for negative, evil actions, there are no consequences As you read the Bible and understand the personality of God, you understand that He is love. You understand that He is almighty. You understand that that He is wise. But you also read that He is holy and He is just. When people go their own way, when people choose to do the things they're not supposed to do or or choose not to do the things they're supposed to do, the Bible calls that sin. And and for those negative actions, for God to be just, there has to be consequence. And the Bible says the consequence of the sin is death. Uh, You see, it's easy for us to think, well, I'm a pretty good person. I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't cheat. But, But hear what I'm saying. Every time... We choose to do what God doesn't want us to do, or we choose not to do what God wants us to do, that is sin. There is not a perfect person among us. This says down in verse 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. (laughs) What it's saying is that there had to be a punishment. And what this verse is saying is that he took that punishment for you and for me. Uh, John 3, one of the most famous verses in all of the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son that whoever believes in him uh, shall not perish. That is, their punishment will be covered. Their punishment won't be taken by him, but have eternal life. God wants to take uh, because you incurred in your life in the past And even in the present, you incurred the punishment of sin. He wants to take that sin away. He wants to take the punishment. He wants to, as we sang earlier, he wants to wash you as white as snow. It's amazing how much God loves us. R.G. Lee, who's a Georgia preacher from the past, he tells a beautiful story about a mountain school that had a hard time keeping a teacher. Partly because they were way back in the sticks, And partly because there was a group of big, rough boys who kept running every teacher off. They took pride in it. The biggest and roughest of all these boys was named Tom. So they got a new young teacher. But this new young teacher had some success. He won over the boys because he let them set the rules for the school. It turned out these boys expected the rules to be very strictly enforced by corporal punishment. But young people, these were the days where you could get whipped in school. And listen, I had a lot of whippings in school. Back in these days, and these boys, as they set the old rules, they were pretty strict. They said uh, the teacher could spank with this rod, he could spank a child if they cheated on a test with five strokes. If there was stealing within the classroom, there would be 10 strokes. That would be the punishment, no excuses. That's how it was going to be. And all these punishments, all these whippings had to be taken with the offender's coat off. Everything went well until one day Tom's lunch was stolen. A frail little boy and hand-me-down clothes that were too big for him admitted his guilt. The students demanded that the rules be followed, that this boy be whipped. When When the teacher called the little boy up front, he came up whimpering and whining and begging to leave his coat on. The other students insisted that he obey the rules and take his coat off. When the boy did, a deathly silence filled the room. You see, when most of the boys took their coats off, uh, they had a shirt on under it. But this little boy, because his family was so poor, when he took his coat off, there was no shirt. And you could see his bones through, his, through the skin. He was so emaciated. The teacher thought, there's no way he could whip this little boy. Suddenly, big, tough Tom stood up and walked to the front and stood between this little boy and the teacher. And he said, I'll take it for him, teacher. I'll take his, his strokes, because it was my lunch, he stole. And then Tom pulled off his coat. Reluctantly, the teacher started. He hit him across the back once. He hit him across the back twice. On the third blow, the rod broke. Tom was big and strong. And the teacher said, that's it. School's dismissed. The frail little boy laid his hand on Tom's big arm. And through his tears, he said, Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. It would have killed me to take those strokes. It would have killed you to go to the cross. It would have killed me. But Jesus willingly took the punishment for all the sins that were yet to be committed. What a great love! What a great Savior! We have. Thirdly, this passage tells us that Jesus died. He took our place. He took our place. Verse 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to their own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That is, there is a scapegoat. In the Old Testament, the priests would call uh, people to bring a goat And on one of the goats of the two, he would uh, lay virtually all the sins of the people, and, and the goat would run off into the wilderness to be devoured. A scapegoat. Jesus took that place. Jesus was that person. He, for his sheep, his people, God's beloved creation who go their own errant ways, he took the place. He substituted himself in place for us who were to come. Why? So that we could have peace with God. It's a desperate place uh, to realize that you have this price, this this punishment that you can't cover. Uh, Jesus, as he takes to the cross, he takes that punishment. He stands in place for you and for me. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You can have peace with God. You see, our problem is a lot of us spend a lot of our life running from God. I did. A lot of us spend a lot of our life uh, rebelling against God. I, I did. I like to do my own thing. I don't like the inconvenience uh, of living the way that God says. To love others before myself. To, to love God first. But I, I, I've spent a lot of time running and rebelling. Maybe you have too. And God, through his son Jesus, took our place. So that we could have peace. <clears throat> you know, uh, the other day I told Beth after we went to the doctor. I said, I would gladly take your place. I would love it. If the doctor told me I couldn't jog, <laughs> because I'd say, hey, I'd go jogging with you, but doctor's orders. You want to lift weights? Uh, sorry. Doctor said, I can't do that. It's bad for my back. See, she loves to work out. I'm like, not so much. But seriously, I would, I would, take, her pl- I would, I would take her pain if I could, because I love her that much. Jesus loves you that much, even if you're running. Maybe you're running today. Even if you're rebelling, maybe you're rebelling today against God. Even if you haven't responded, he loves you that much that he takes your place on the cross. And a lot of times, folks never respond. In his book, Written in Blood, Robert Coleman tells the story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. The doctor explained to the family that the only cure, the only potential cure for this disease was to have a blood transfusion from somebody who had recovered from that disease. And this family was unlucky enough to have two uh, kids that had this disease. Now, the boy named Johnny, he was 10, and because he was 8 when he had the disease, he He had been able to make it through, though it was touch and go for a time. It appeared as if he might die. Oh, little Mary, his sister, three years old, gets the same disease. The doctor's far more concerned because she's so much smaller. She must so much paler and weaker. He says to the family, the only way this can happen is for a blood transfusion to happen. If somebody's recovered from this disease and also has the same blood type and Johnny is a match. So the family's there in the consultation room. Johnny there as well. And the doctor asked Johnny, would you give your blood to Mary? Johnny hesitates. His lower lip starts to tremble. And he smiled and said, sure, for my sister soon. The two children were wheeled in the hospital room. Mary, pale and thin. Johnny, robust and healthy. Neither spoke But when their eyes met, Johnny grinned at his little sister. As the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, Johnny's smile faded. He watched the blood flow through the tube. With the ordeal almost over, his voice slightly shaken, broke the silence, Doctor, when do I die? And then the doctor understood. He understood why Johnny hesitated, why his lip trembled. He understood that Johnny thought that the doctor was going to take all of his blood. It would take all of his blood to save his sister. Jesus' blood shed for you and me. That's why he died. I wonder today, could you say he took my pain? Could you say he took my punishment? Could you say today that he took My place. We start with the question, why did Jesus die? But I want to leave you with this question. Why are you living? Why are you living? You see, you might answer, and it's very true, on one plane, uh, you're living because God allows you to. See, you might say, well, no, I'm living because my parents came together and had me. No, you're here. If God didn't want you to be here, you wouldn't be here on this earth. But on a deeper level, I say this to you. Why are you here? What is your purpose? What is your plan? I'm telling you, so many of us spend so much of our time doing what we want to do. We have our dreams and our plans. We want a bigger house. We want a bigger car. We want a better career. We spend so much of our time thinking about me. And I will tell you, you will one day come to the point where All about you is not enough. It doesn't fulfill you. It doesn't fill that God-sized hole. Why are you living? I hope that you can see that from this great sacrifice, Jesus gave his life so that life could overcome death. Jesus gave his life so that all of us who would come and believe might be forgiven, and have a purpose and a plan for life. You see, instead of running from God, we should run to Him. Instead of rebelling against God, we should say, I will serve you with all that I have. I want everyone to know about this forgiveness. I want everybody to know about this great love. I want everybody to know and to see Jesus in me. What a Savior we have. He is why I live. And I hope, from this day forward, He will be your purpose and your plan. Fathers, we think about these things. I pray today, not for condemnation, but for conviction. It's so easy to kind of sleepwalk through life, to do things our way, to serve ourselves, I pray if there's one or more here who haven't made that step of faith, who haven't confessed Jesus as Lord, confessed and repented of their sins, haven't been baptized into Him, that this might be the day. Uh, I pray for others, perhaps, who are thinking about joining a church family, a church family that lives for Jesus. I I pray that you'd, if today is that day, you'd bring them forward, would help them with that. I pray for all of us. All of us who perhaps have not been given it our all. Help us this day to start with why. Why are we living? Why did Jesus die? Thank you for taking my pain on the cross. Thank you for taking my punishment. Thank you for taking my place. Jesus name Amen